The following sermon is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. As always, we have so much to learn because God speaks to us through His Word. And so we open up His Word, uh, we come to His Word with a, uh, with a heart uh, ready to hear and ready to listen. And so Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came up to him, he and Jesus, and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Well, you're going to learn something today <laughs> about forgiveness. It's going to be impossible to avoid what we, have, what we have to learn from God's word to us this morning. You know, one of the big themes in the Gospel of Matthew, which we have seen, is this description of God's community, this new community of his people. And, and, and this theme of what are, what are God's people like? What are citizens of God's kingdom like and what should they be like among the many things that we've talked about is one they should be like a missionary right should they, they should bring the good news and proclaiming the good news of God into every area of their lives last week we learned that they are to be peacemakers not just peacekeepers but those who actively participate in making peace with those whom with, uh, we have been hurt by or, or those who we have hurt and here we learn that followers of Jesus ought to be people who forgive and forgiveness is, is, is one of those things, one of those characteristics that every follower of Jesus should have. What's forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Well, well, think about this. What is the opposite of forgiveness? When someone wrongs you and hurts you, the opposite of forgiveness is to, to seek revenge, right? To get, to get payback. You could hold a grudge against that person that has hurt you. You could, you could hate them in your heart. You could exclude that person from relationship with you and just no longer be their friend. You could root that person, root for their failure. You could wish harm on that person. Now, I'm not trying to give you tips on how not to forgive, but we see like these are opposites of forgiving. And so what it means to forgive is, is to let go. It is to, to release that person from the debt that they owe us, from the wrong that they have done. To release them from the debt, that's what it means to forgive. And so I don't need to tell you that forgiveness is hard. I don't need to tell you from this passage that forgiveness is hard and even reading this passage and letting it starting to soak in and, 
and knowing that what we're going to talk about this today, that you know it's a difficult thing to do. But it is to be the, the very characteristic of every person who's following Jesus. And so we should talk about it this morning. Some passages require a lot of studying, a lot of Greek, a lot of, a lot of, manus- a lot of uh, commentaries, a lot of preparation. This is not one of those passages. You could give this sermon in like 15 minutes of prep. You know, it's one of those passages that you can actually sit down with your children and you could read it just as it's written and they could grasp in a, in, in a good way like what, what message that you're trying to get across. Jesus, even though he's, he's speaking in a parable, he's so clear at the end. He says, my father is the master, you are the servant. He has forgiven you great and therefore you should forgive great. You should forgive others. And for a topic as important as forgiveness, it's good to have a straightforward teaching like this that Jesus gives. And straightforward, but there's this, there is this flow through his, his argument. First, we see the difficulty in forgiveness. We see how hard it is to forgive, the magnitude of forgiveness. Second, we see the reasons why we should forgive. And thirdly, we see the power of forgiveness. So let's talk about those. First, the difficulty of forgiveness. Let's talk about the difficulty of forgiveness. Jesus' disciple, Peter, he comes up to Jesus, likely attempting to apply what he has been learning from Jesus' teaching. Just in the previous passage, which we talked about last week, he's trying to apply what to do when a brother sins against you and forgiving that brother and, and going to that brother to reconcile. And so maybe in Peter's heart and mind, he's thinking, okay, I want to start to apply what Jesus is teaching me and, and I want to have a relationship with this person who's hurt me and so he goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to I seek forgiveness, but how, how many times should I forgive? How much is too much? When should I give up on the person who has forgiven me? And you know, the Jewish leaders actually asked this same question at that time. The Jewish leaders, they met and they talked and they determined that, that three strikes and you're out. Three times was the times that you should actually forgive someone who has offended you in that same thing. Right? So someone comes to you, they hurt you, they let you down. Uh, and, and they come to you seeking forgiveness, and you should forgive them. Right? We understand that. We should all do that. Well, the next day, the person does the exact same thing again, comes to you and says, I'm so sorry, I screwed up again, I failed again. Please, would you forgive me again? And in our heart, we might think, well, I don't want to, I just forgave you of this, but I guess I can do it again. And then that person goes the next day, and they do the exact same thing again, the same offense, the same wound, and they come back to you, and you're thinking, You're so frustrated by it. You think, I've already forgiven you twice, but you're thinking, maybe I have one left in me, and you forgive that third time. And then the fourth day, the person goes again, and then comes back to you again and says, please forgive me, and you know at this point you're saying, there's no way, I'm out, right? So you you, you have extended your forgiveness. You're already at that point. You're frustrated. Are you following me? So the Jewish leader said, three is good. Four is unreasonable. And so Peter thinks he's trying to be pious here. And so he says, I'm going to double it and add one. He comes to Jesus. He says, how many times? It's almost as if he's kind of talking with the fellow disciples and saying, hey, guys, watch this. Like, I'm going to double it, add one. Let's see what Jesus says. And he says, seven, seven times, seven times. And Jesus says, 70 times, seven times. It's a very pious question that Peter asks. He is going above and beyond. He's actually, he's, none of us would forgive somebody seven times. It's, that's like, that's four too many. Jesus says, not, not seven, 
77 times. Some manuscripts say 77. We don't know. It could be 77 times or it could be 70 times 7. So it could be 70 times or 490 times. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's more than three and it's hard to do. And here's where we see the real difficulty in what Jesus is telling his followers to do when it comes to forgiveness. Instead of having a forgiveness checklist on your refrigerator where you have 490 boxes and you're checking the ones off and then when you filled all those boxes and you say, I'm done, I can't do it anymore. Jesus is saying, take that list, throw it away, burn it, stop counting, and start forgiving without end. This is what Jesus is saying. So it doesn't matter if it's, seven, if it's 77 or 490. He is saying, stop counting, begin forgiving, and, and forgive without limit. You see why it's really difficult what Jesus is saying to us? Jesus' reply does away with, with all limits. It does away with all calculations when it comes to forgiving another person who has wounded us. And to be clear, this, isn't, this, isn't, uh, this does not mean that we, we dismiss what Jesus has said, even in our previous passage that we talked about last week, about confronting someone in their sin and even rebuking them, correcting them, calling them to repentance. We continue to do those things. So forgiving doesn't mean that we don't call people out on sin and, and ask them to change and, to, uh, con- and, and asking them to confront their sin. Neither is it dismissing God's justice to hold people accountable for the wrong that they do. He is saying, though, that Christians must forgive. And Christians must be characterized as people who forgive over and over and over and over and over again. The reason why forgiveness must be unlimited is explained in this this vivid parable that Jesus has given to us. Let's look at that. Let's look at this now, this, this reason for this forgiveness. We have no limits to our forgiveness because we have been forgiven ourselves in unlimited quantities. The parable is meant to be unforgettable. It's meant to be astonishing. It's meant to be eye-opening. And to do that, Jesus uses ridiculous numbers. He talks about this original debt of this servant to the king, and he says the original debt is 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, in today's terms, is today's monetary Uh, numbers is equivalent to a gazillion dollars. Okay? I mean, that's really what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's the talent was the highest unit of currency. The highest unit of currency that they had, 10,000, was the highest Greek numeral of the time. And so Jesus is saying, he's saying, let's take this scenario. The king has a servant, and the servant's in debt, a gazillion dollars. He is meant to, to be ridiculous in this number. This number is unfathomable. No one could even amass this amount of debt in a lifetime or in several lifetimes, and yet this servant has. The moment that Jesus would say, let's consider a scenario where a servant owns his master, owes his master 10,000 talents. The listeners would have said, it's ridiculous. No one would ever owe anybody 10,000 talents. You're speaking ridiculously, foolishly. That's ridiculous. No one owes that much money. No one even has that much money. And then Jesus compares the first debt to the second debt. And he says, okay, let me, let's, now this servant has a fellow servant, and that fellow servant owes him 100 denarii. 100 denarii, denarii is like a day's wage for a day laborer. So it's about 100 days worth of wages. It's, it's no small amount. It's a significant amount. But compared to a gazillion dollars, right, like a made-up number, the, the highest number that you can think about, 
it's something that pales in comparison. It's still only one six hundred thousandth of the original debt, if we're just taking those numbers alone. One six hundred thousandth the size of the, of the original amount forgiven. And so when the king has compassion on this servant, he forgives his debt and he frees him to return to his family to continue in his life. The debt is forgiven. The servant then goes from there and what he does is unthinkable. It's equally as ridiculous as the amount of money that he owed that was forgiven. We see his appalling behavior. A Christian who is unforgiving is as, un, as, it is as appalling as the servant who leaves the bountiful forgiveness of God and goes and strangles his neighbor because he hasn't forgiven him. This is what that servant does. He, is, he leaves the fellowship of the bountiful grace of this king and he goes and strangles his servant and puts him in prison until he can repay the debt. It's appalling. It's ridiculous. Let's think about this a little bit more and just how they compare. I have just, let's look at just some of these pictures as visual examples. This first picture is this picture of a crowd, I mean, a million people. And this picture represents the sin and our debt to God, and even the debt of the servant to the king, a gazillion people, a gazillion dollars of debt. And then, if that's true, then this next picture represents the sin that's been inflicted towards us by other people. Are you catching my drift here? Just this, this is in comparison. Let's look at another thing. Here's a, here's a traffic jam in, like, in China, okay? It's like all of these cars. This is the amount that was forgiven us of the debt that we owe God. And, and the next picture is the debt that someone else owes us. Are you tracking with me? In, it's still something, but it's, but it's nothing in comparison. I think we have one more. Here is like a swarm, a swath of, of birds, <coughs> And this is the, the, the amount of debt that we have amassed in God. And then, and then this, this next picture is the picture of, of the offense that we, has been inflicted to us. Is that it? Do we have any more? No? Oh, that's unfortunate. I could do this all day. <clears throat> as, as, a, as appalling as, appalling as, as this parable is, it, it might even be worse than you think. And I think it's worse than you think. Jesus means to tell us that no matter what anyone does to you, no matter what offense has come your way, no matter how grievous and how painful someone has hurt you, it is trivial and meager in comparison to what you have done to God. It's worse than you think. This parable is bad, and it's worse than you and I can imagine. So what emerges from this parable is this. Like the servant, we are in the deepest possible debt to God. The deepest possible number, the deepest possible quantity that we can think of, the deepest possible, the greatest number that our, that our, our math and our minds can comprehend. And like the servant who can't even come close to paying that debt on our own, you see, the servant comes to the king and says, put me in prison and I will, or I'll, I'll, I'll pay it back. Just give me time and I'll pay everything back. He's being ridiculous because he can't. A thousand lifetimes couldn't get that much money to pay it back. He can't even come close to paying our debt. And therefore, like the servant, 
the only choice we have is to plead for mercy, to plead for mercy from our King. And on the cross, Christ hung more debt on the cross and on himself than you and I can fathom. For if, if one person's sin is unfathomable and incalculable, then the whole weight of the world and all the sins of all the world hung on Jesus on the cross. You see, how many, just consider how many times you might sin a day. You know, maybe, let's, let's just be like conservative and say that you sin in thought, word, and deed three times a day. Right, and I'm talking about like a, uh, you, uh, you know, you, you, get, you hate somebody as in traffic as, as that's not moving quick enough and you, you curse that person in your heart or out loud. Uh, you, you, you act out of frustration and, and in a temper when you get home. Uh, you, you skimp on, you know, your taxes or something. So three little sins a day. So there's 365 days a year. Let's just round it up. Let's, let's just round it down and say you, you sin a thousand times a year. How old are you? Multiply a thousand by your age. So that's many sins that you have carried. Just that's a minimum of three. All of those sins and more, the weight of the world hangs on Jesus as he bore our sins and the sins of the world. And the weight of our debt that, that he absorbed that caused him to cry out. This is what caused Jesus to cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the cry of a king who had become the servant. It was the cry of the king who is now bearing the weight of this unfathomable, crushing sin in order that we can be forgiven. In order that we can be forgiven, our sins are are absorbed in Christ. And Jesus means to show us the unexpected and out-of-this-world comparison of our Heavenly Father who cancels our debt completely in Jesus. This is how much we owe him. This is how much we have fallen short. This is how much debt we have amassed. And we are to see that our Heavenly Father cancels that debt in Jesus Christ. If our debt to God is like the distance from the earth to the sun, then any person's debt to you is like my, is the distance between me and you from the vantage point of the sun. And God says, if I have canceled your debt, then you are to cancel the debt of others. It's still a distance. It's still real. The offense is still real and it's painful. But it's not comparable. And if God can forgive the first, then we should forgive the second. And I don't say this lightly. I don't say it easy because this is difficult, isn't it? Even though it's still small in comparison, it's, it's difficult for us. You and I cannot do this on our own. And fortunately for us, Jesus has given us the answer for how we, how we are able to do this, the key of forg- for forgiveness, the power for forgiveness. Let's talk about that. We will be able to forgive. We will be able to forgive others to the degree that we understand and internalize God's forgiveness for us. The more we understand what God has forgiven us, the more we will be ready and able to forgive others who have offended us. And in this passage, we see these two characteristics of the king, meant to be characteristics of our Heavenly Father. And when we rejoice in these characteristics, they become our fuel for forgiving others. Let's look at these. The first one is the king's compassion for his servant. We see this word a lot. We've seen it a lot before in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. We've seen it a lot as it relates to the characteristic of God our Father. And we see it a lot as it is used to describe what Jesus is like. 
that he is, a, he is a God of compassion, of pity. It's used to describe God the Father and Jesus who looks on our sin and he looks at our sinful state and he, he, his heart breaks for us. He has compassion. Jesus was literally sick to his stomach with, with pain as he looked upon our state and saw how needy we were. That's what the Bible says. As he looks on the crowds. He looks on the crowds and he sees, he sees the crowds in, and he, his heart breaks and his stomach gets sick and he feels this deep compassion for them. When was the last time that the needs or sorrows or pains of another person made you sick to your stomach with compassion? That you were moved to, to go into their lives and to ease their suffering. That you were moved to, to release them from that burden, to forgive them of their faults because your heart broke for them. That's what Jesus is like. That's our Jesus. That's how he feels as he looks upon our needs and he calls us to imitate him, to be like him. You know, when someone wrongs you, instead of trying to identify with their sin, we usually make that person out to be very different from us. We distance ourselves from, up, uh, from, from that person. We, th- we say things like, that person lied to me. That person is a liar. That person is selfish. I can't believe that person would be like that. As if we, we don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. As if we don't know what it's like to be a liar, to be selfish ourselves. You ever get hurt? Do you get hurt and angry when you find out that people have been talking about you behind your back in ways that are negative? That hurts, doesn't it? Why does that hurt? You do the same thing. <laughs> we do the same thing. We, we get hurt when people lie, but we forget that we too are liars. We, 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 get, we get hurt and offended when people mistreat us, and we, and we forget that we also mistreat others. You see, when we are hurt, We say, that person's a liar, that person is a sinner. But when we do the same thing, we say, oh, well, it's complicated. I have a reason for doing that. So we we justify all the reasons that we did it, but if someone else does it, we say, that person's wrong, that person's a sinner, that person needs to change. But we're so easy on ourselves, and so we distance ourselves from that because we think that we're different, but we're not. One of the best things that you can do when you're tempted to not forgive somebody is to remind yourself that you're also too a sinner and that you are the same. And we're never able to truly forgive somebody if we're always seeing ourselves as a good person and that person is the bad person. But when we see ourselves as two sinners coming together, both needing the gracious love and forgiveness of God, then we are moved to forgive that person. We can say in our hearts, that person needs the same freedom that I need and that I have received from God my Father. Look how God has forgiven me of this great debt. I can forgive this person of their small debt to me. You can't forgive a person who you think you're morally superior to. I promise, it will be so hard, you cannot do it. If you think that you're better than a person, you will not be able to forgive them. What a beautiful characteristic of God that he identifies with us. He is other than us. He is holy. He is perfect. But God became incarnate in the flesh. He became a man. He identifies with us, becoming like us and bearing our sin, becoming our sin. He has sympathy because he knows what it's like to walk in our shoes. And his heart breaks for us. And he was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted, but without sin. He succumbed to the same pains of life that we have succumbed to. The pain and suffering of being hurt and wounded and betrayed and spit on and mocked and talked about poorly behind his back. 
And yet he has succumbed to something that you and I never have. He was killed. He was crucified. He gave his life for you and I. We see the great compassion of God to identify with us, to walk in our shoes, to become like us. Second characteristic of this king that is so beautiful here is we see the king's absorbing of the debt of his servant. The servant begs the king for time to pay back, right? He gets on his knees and he begs him and he says, give me time, I'll pay it back. But the king doesn't take him up on the offer. The king doesn't say, okay, we'll have a deal. You get to work, you pay me back, and then we'll call it square. And we do that a lot with God. We say, God, give me time. Let me, let me change my life. Let me turn over that leaf. Let me change the chapter. Let me improve my life and please forgive me. And God says, I'm not going to take you up on that offer. See, the king does something totally different that the servant doesn't even ask for. The, king's, the servant says, give me time to pay it back. And the king says, your debt is paid. You're forgiven. Now you can go. By canceling the debt, the king is agreeing to take the loss. See, he eats it. He eats a, that gazillion dollars worth of debt. He eats it. He absorbs it. He loses. You can only truly forgive if you are inwardly willing to give up the demand for payment. You don't have to admit this publicly because I already know the answer. Have you ever been hurt by a person and then desired harm to come to that person? I think I know the answer. That was easy. Let me, let me go a little further. Let me go a little deeper. Have you ever checked in on people via social media or through gossip with a, a mutual acquaintance and found out that that person was hurting in their life, and inside you said, yes. Have you ever felt that way? You haven't forgiven that person. You haven't forgiven the person, you haven't forgiven the wrong that they have done. You haven't forgiven the hurt that they've caused you. You feel good when they suffer because you are, they are in a way, they are repaying the debt. In their suffering, it is a way of them paying the debt and repaying it through their trouble. They suffer and you are glad because you are demanding payment from them. Ken Sandy, is a, he wrote this book called The Peacemakers and he founded this ministry called The Peacemaking Ministry and it's terrific. Uh, I recommend the book and, and anything else that you can listen to him when it comes to conflict resolution. But He says this, to forgive someone means to release from liability to suffer punishment or penalty. There's something I can promise you. To truly forgive a person will hurt you. To truly forgive a person will cost you. To truly forgive a person will be difficult. But there's freedom in the long run. You have to eat that in a way, like just like the king absorbs that and eats that cost and doesn't demand repayment. And truly to forgive somebody, you are releasing them from the liability of having to pay you back. Jesus wants us to remember who we are. When you choose not to forgive, you and I, we, we, we forget who we are. We forget that we have been forgiven so much. And who are we? We find the answer to who we are when we look at Jesus and we look at the cross. On the cross, we see the king who became a servant. In order to release the slave from the impossible pursuit of repaying the debt on his own. We see God taking the loss absorbing the debt by giving up his own son. And we see Jesus willingly giving up his life at the cross as a ransom for our sin. 
Do you see how God absorbed the debt? Do you see how he took the loss? Do you see how he ate the cost by sending his son to die for you? We see Jesus purchasing for himself a people that would be marked by a forgiveness that is not earned but graciously given. And we see in the resurrected Jesus the promise and power of God to sustain us no matter what it costs us, no matter how hard it is, no matter what offenses come our way. And so what I want you to learn from this and what this passage is teaching us is that our debt is big. Our debt to God is big and we have, been, we have received an extravagant grace from God. Now, um, now image and reflect our Savior by extending that extravagant grace to others. It's not easy. It is unnatural. It feels wrong. It feels as if that person should repay the debt. It feels like the person is getting off easy. But my friends, you and I have gotten off so easy because of Jesus. You and I do not get what we deserve. So we can extend to somebody else what they don't deserve. This should characterize the church. God's people should be people who give extravagantly, unnaturally, gracious forgiveness. Is there someone's debt who you need to forgive? Is there someone's debt that you need to eat? You can forgive it. You can relate to that person from your heart. You can relieve that person from your heart, from needing to pay you back. You can share in the suffering of Christ as you go through that painful process of loving that person from your heart, praying for that person, uh, having sympathy and compassion for that person, and not demanding repayment. You can identify with Jesus as you do that. And if you identify with Christ in his suffering, the Bible teaches us that we will also share with Christ in his glory. We will share in his glory by enjoying the freedom that comes from trusting in him, from loving others, and letting God do his work in the lives of those people. Do you need to forgive a debt? In your heart, in person, May God's grace be with you. May you know his forgiveness and would he give you the power to do that in your lives. Let's pray.